a podcast from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Office of National Mission. This is God's Mission Here. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Pastor Dan Gelshoot, Executive Director for the Office of National Mission. And I'm joined here by three members of my team. Why don't you introduce yourselves to the audience? I'm Pastor Mark Wood. I'm the Managing Director for Church Planting, Renewal, and Support. Uh, and I'm Michael Meyer. I'm the Managing Director of uh, Congregations and Districts. Deaconess Tiffany Manor, the Managing Director of Human Care and Ministerial Support. And we're continuing to discuss God's mission here and the work of the Office of National Mission. As we talk about our work in the Office of National Mission, we have some mission priorities, which we discuss quite often. And I think it'd be helpful for us to discuss those and, and share how they guide our work and in what we do. Mark, could you tell us what the first priority is and, and how that informs our work and our, our service? Well, actually, no, I can't. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Because they're, they're actually not They're not numbered. They're yeah. not ordered in any way. We sometimes fall into the trap of saying this is the first mission priority of the Synod, but all seven of these priorities are, are equally held. So, so without enumerating them in a way that indicates <laughs> priority, what we often call the first mission priority is to plant, sustain, and revitalize Lutheran churches. And it's a little bit self-descriptive, but it's very broad. You know, plant new churches, sustain congregations that are doing well, and help revitalize churches that are struggling. So that's the, the main mission priority that affects the ministry areas that I oversee. And Michael, could you talk about how the Office of National Mission does that work in a variety of ways? You mean plant sustaining and revitalizing? You know, I think this is really definitive of all of our work falls under under this one emphasis, this one priority. Everything else kind of flows from this. When you think about whether it's stewardship or life or all nations ministry or disaster response schools, recognized service organizations, it's all all with the the understanding that we're we're seeking to provide resources to congregations for their daily life and whether that's they find themselves in challenging situations and looking to revitalize or whether they're finding themselves in a situation where things are going really great uh, and they simply need a couple of extra resources to uh, round out uh, what it is that they're doing or they've identified an area in which it needs a new uh, a, 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 a new area or, or a new you know, place to plant a congregation with an altar and a pulpit and a font and a pastor to preach the word and administer the sacraments and have a place for gathering, those kinds of things. So I, I see all of these as lenses that we do our work in. That, so they're not so much as bumpers that, that define everything that we do, but I see them as lenses that we, we if our work is not connected to planting, sustaining, and revitalizing, if our work is not connected to some of these others, then perhaps we've got the wrong glasses on and we're looking at things a little a little differently than we should be. So I, I see it kind of as that foundation then that's, that is up upon which all of our work is laid. And I think important here when we think about you know, planting, sustaining, and revitalizing Lutheran churches, that includes Lutheran schools. Our, our schools are connected to our congregations. They they exist together. And so, you know, as you talk about the, the lenses and how we view our work, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about the, the support to the congregations and the schools as well. 
And there are actually really big opportunities for that work, especially the last few years. There's been a, just a dramatic increase in the number of congregations and, and Lutheran people who are exploring possibilities of, of starting Lutheran schools. So I'm, I'm sure we'll hear more about that when we talk with Al Freeman and LCMS School Ministry. You know, one of the other things I, I think about when I think about this mission priority is a quote from Luther, and he, he talks about the, the church is a constant happening, that there's always something going on, and he says that the church stands not in being, but in becoming. And what that means is uh, we're always on the move, we're always spreading the gospel, and that the Lord continues to grow his church. Not only do we count in his church those who are sealed and with him in heaven, but our, our churches who worship here in our congregations all over North America, but then also then every time somebody's baptized at, or converted, the, the church stands in becoming. New people are being added all the time. And what, what a blessing that is. And it's good to point out when we say the church, it, you know, it's, the church takes on different dimensions. There's the local congregation with or without a school, you know. There's the church as the Missouri Synod, a body. There's, of course, the church universal, capital C church. But when we talk about these mission priorities, it should be clear that these aren't the mission priorities of just of the Missouri Synod, that level of church, the national church body. These are the mission priorities that the whole synod together, all of our congregations, have formulated and established through our conventions as these are the mission priorities of the whole church, of all of our congregations. They're, they're not the national mission's mission priorities, they're the church's mission priorities. Yeah, so each local congregation is very invested in sustaining and revitalizing their local congregation. And, and too many of them, you know, can, can be thinking about the, the community uh, a little bit beyond their neighborhood, about planting congregations or planting additional schools. Uh, I love, Mark, how you focus congregations and, and all of us really on, on thinking about what the, the word revitality, revital, revitalization means. I and really the, the life. I, I think it would be great if you could talk about that word sure. in particular. Yeah, the revitalization, unfortunately, has like a negative context to, context to it, you know, or connotation where people are, oh, you know, that sounds like you're dying. And the church is never dead. Wherever God's word is proclaimed in purity and truth and his sacraments administered, there's life. And Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, I'm there with you. So... There's life in the church. And what Dan was talking about earlier reminded me, you know, that the church is never in decline. The mm -hmm. church is ever growing. I mean, some of our members have moved from the church militant here on earth to the church triumphant, and congregations may decline, but the church never does. And so uh, every congregation is an instance of the church in a place at a time. And it's great that 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 connectedness is there and especially as we talk about mission priorities because we every congregation is a part of God's mission every congregation is designed by the Lord to carry out his mission in that context and that mission is going to include planting sustaining revitalizing and it's also going to include the other six mission priorities that we have as a synod so in this way it's these mission priorities are really kind of descriptors of 
of who we are as the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. what it is that we do, how do we interact and live with one another. They're They're descriptors. Yeah, we could we could we can think about them as as goals or those kinds of things, but really it's just a description of who we are. That the church plants, the church it, it sows the seed as the the gospel is proclaimed. The church gains the faith of believers and creates faith in unbelievers through that proclamation of the word and the sowing of that seed. And just as you said, in all of this, Christ is breathing life into his people into into bones that were dry, but now are being brought together and given life that we are being revitalized into his own body. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. As you talk about these descriptors, do you want to share with us one of the other descriptors of, of the seven, since I'm not allowed to number them, even though that would be easier for the audience? You know, an, another one that we that we talk about is supporting and expanding theological education, right? And when we hear that term, theological education, a lot of times we might think just about, oh, the seminaries, where the pastors go, or where people go to become a pastor, or to become a church worker. But when we when we're thinking and talking about theological education, this is at all levels that the church thinks theologically, that we, we, we think theologically when we're teaching our children and raising them up in the faith, that this is not done in a vacuum. It's not done apart from the tools that we have of the catechism and the scriptures and other things. So theological education in all of its all of his great beauty and, and facets and many facets. And of course, it happens differently as it relates to the different ministry and departments areas that we that we interact with. And so, Tiffany, maybe you could talk about, you know, some theological education. How does, how does that display itself in the area that you work? Yeah, so theological education, oftentimes people are thinking about, you know, pastors and seminary. But really, this theological education can be part of, of how we talk about discipleship. You know, we our our emphasis right now is making disciples for life, and the theological education you know, really is about teaching the faith to, to all generations. So certainly, it does involve pastors, seminaries, and continuing education after they graduate from seminary. But it, it also it, there are opportunities for us to to understand how um, theology applies to all of life. So I'll take, for instance, you know, mental health, right? So often people want to prescribe that to like, oh, that's that's professionals outside the church and licensed counselors and, and therapists for mental health. Well, well, no, there's theological implications on, on mental health that we can think about and apply and, and use scripture to understand that God's gift of, of health and well-being in a variety of facets, one of, of which is our mental and emotional health. So that, that's just one example. But yeah, theological education is a, a priority for the entire synod. And there's so many different ways that this manifests, but you know, really all ages as well. I mean, even little ones who are being taught the Ten Commandments. I mean, my little granddaughter's two, and she's starting to memorize the commandments. You know, and and the Office of National Mission in particular can provide resources to districts and congregations through the districts to help families teach the faith at home. So that, you know, all of that can fall into theological education. You know, when you talk about teaching the faith in the home and, and when you were talking about mental health and when Michael said the church thinks theologically, it, it's really reminded me of what one of my professors in college said, which was a pretty profound thought for me at the time. He used to say, everyone's a theologian. 
because everyone's thinking about God, right? So when you say that church is thinking theologically, you know, sometimes we fall into this trap or, you know, pastors or even seminary professors, they're the theologians, but everyone's thinking about God. And that means everyone's a theologian. And and what we're trying to do is we're trying to support and expand theological education. Sure, at our seminaries and at our Concordias, absolutely, we support that. But we also want to support it at our churches, at our schools, and in our Lutheran homes as well. Think about one of our foundational books in the Book of Concord, right? The the Augsburg Confession. It was not written by a pastor. That was that was written by an educated layman. And so yeah, a very, very special and unique, very gifted layman. But throughout you can look at the history of our church body and see where where our church body has been blessed by laymen who think theologically and who thirst and hunger for the scriptures that they would that it would be taught to them and then they support that in their pastors and the, the men they send off to become pastors and the, the the women and others that they send off to become school teachers and all other kinds of ways. Well Tiffany, can you share with us another descriptor or priority of the Office of National Mission and the LCMS? Sure. One that comes to mind is that we have a priority to perform human care in close proximity to Word and Sacrament Ministries. You know, when I interact with some of our church workers and our lay leaders on things that are related to this mission priority, sometimes the language used here is a little confusing to people. They're like, what is that? What is proximity to Word and Sacrament Ministries? What does that mean? Well, you know, a Word and Sacrament Ministry is the local congregation. That's where God's word is proclaimed and the sacraments are administered. And so when we talk about proximity, well, the word proximity means near. So uh, that's a, a good way to think about this is that the, the human care work, the mercy work, this care and love for people in body and soul is happening near to a local congregation. There's all kinds of, of good work being done by organizations and, and nonprofits throughout the United States in human care. But what's different for the church is that we're do not doing this apart from the local congregation, the, the pastor and the people of God. So that's the, the mission priority about how we're going to organize and plan the, the work in, in towns and cities all across the United States, even other countries, the, the international work that, that's performed, our partnership with other church bodies. But you know, we always do this through the local congregation and it's not some separate social justice type of emphasis. God's word is encompassing all of the human care that we do. Now, now we do care for all people. We're not just caring for the, the household of, of faith, uh, of the people of God. We, we care for all, but when we care for them, we're not separating it from the word and, and the witness of scripture. And I know, Michael, this is a big priority for you and the work that you do for disaster response and training. Yeah, so when when I think about this close proximity, I I mean I see this mercy work, it's incarnational in nature, right? That it's not something that's done far off, right? You talked about connection to local congregations, absolutely true. That's we teach that in all of our volunteer training for disaster response. We 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 talk about the, the local congregations being a hub for mercy so that when those who are outside of the church see what's happening, that they're pointed to that local congregation where the altar is, where the, the pulpit is, the font is, those things. But this is, but we also talk about it being incarnational, that there's a presence, there's 
uh, of being with those who are suffering in person, very much like that, that, that story of the Good Samaritan who gets into the ditch of that person who was beaten and bound, and or not bound, but beaten and left for dead, robbed, right? And so often we think that we might want to call down we don't it's it's dirty to get into the to get into the ditches of people's lives and yet that's what Jesus did for us right so when we think of it being incarnational we we have this just perfect example of Jesus climbing into our ditch where we've been beaten and we've been left for dead by our sins and of course he binds up our wounds and and helps us and uh, takes care of us in the midst of this now jesus is not just an example for us we know that he's so he's so much more right he is our savior he he is our he's a, a teacher but we can still learn from the things that he has done and as a church, seek to seek to. And Michael and I are involved in so much mercy work. We could talk about this for literally hours, days, weeks, maybe. And uh, I think you know his point about about Jesus. I mean that that is so true. I mean we don't just follow the example of Jesus, but all of the mercy and compassion that we have to share with our neighbors comes from Him. And I oftentimes like to to point out, and it's not my idea. Um, it's not new theology. It's um, something that the, the church has understood for generations. It's been traditioned and handed down to us. But you know, the the, the vertical nature of the, the mercy, compassion, and love God pours out on us that we then horizontally on this earth share with our our neighbors. You know, that is found in the person of Jesus. I mean, God's mercy manifested in Christ. We can't really help but share that as we're in our baptism brought into to Christ in the body of Christ. So in that way, we're, we're a cup that is being poured into and it's just overflowing into others in our lives. You now this, this mission priority reminds me that the mission priorities are interwoven. You know, they don't just stand by themselves as independent actions of the church that this compassion we have, as Tiffany was pointing out, comes from Christ, this who has first loved us, right? And when we plant, sustain, and revitalize congregations, mercy work is a big part of that. And mercy work opens doors into people's lives that give us the opportunity to share the gospel, the theological education, mission priorities. So these are, you see how they're all tied together. Uh, we don't want to treat them separately or they lose their power. You know, one more thing I'd say about the performing human care in close proximity to word and sacrament and how it does tie together with our other priorities is I'd like to sum it up this way. You know, God has called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. We know that as the great commandment, right? And how do we love our neighbor? We want to show the love of Jesus with our neighbor and, and we also want to speak the love of Jesus to our neighbor. That's how we share the love of Jesus, and showing and speaking. And this mission priority captures both of those aspects of sharing the love of Christ so beautifully because we show the love of Jesus in our acts of mercy, uh, but then we speak the love of Jesus in his word. And then by connecting people to the local congregation, they continue to hear his word and receive his good gifts. And, and so these... You know, these first three mission priorities we talked about, it sounds like, wow, we've exhausted everything. But there's even more depth to this as we look at the remaining mission priorities. 
Yeah, and there will be time for us to discuss those other mission priorities and, and so much more when it comes to God's mission here and the work that uh, the Office of National Mission does and the work that the, the whole church, the whole LCMS is called to. Thanks for joining us. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. God's Mission Here is a podcast that discusses Christ's gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation, and how he delivers those gifts where you live and serve.